Well, uh, this morning we continue our series, A Weary World Rejoices, as we take this Advent journey toward Christmas. Now, in case you missed our series introduction last week, each message in this series is based on a biblical text that gives depth and meaning to some of the lyrics in that great and classic Christmas carol, O Holy Night. Last week, Pastor Brian started us off with the message, A Thrill of Hope. Next week, we will explore sweet hymns of joy. And perhaps my favorite title uh, in the whole series is the one the week after as we celebrate Advent love, And the Soul Felt Its Worth. You know, that's the way that we feel our worth before the Lord is when we realize the depth of His love. Today, we'll celebrate the gift of Advent peace, so eloquently stated in the lyric, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Now, the love aspect of that lyric will hit in the fourth week, but today I want us to just focus on this gift of Advent peace. Now, peace is one of those words that just moves front and center during the Christmas season, doesn't it? After all, the angel and the heavenly host appeared to the shepherds and said, Glory to God in the highest and on peace to those on whom his favor rests. I remember when my kids were young. I mean, just, just one and, and two or two and three and that, that age there uh, in preschool. We lived in Arlington. And I remember just off the exit of Quaker Lane and Sherlington, that area of Arlington, there was this high rise and every year, uh, right at the top of the high rise, they just had just blazing it to the five letters, peace. And I used to love driving past that high rise and seeing that word peace there for everybody on 395 sitting in traffic to read and, and to watch as they would come in in the early dark morning hours. That's a great place to put the message of peace. And I enjoyed seeing it even when my kids were squirming and squealing uh, in the minivan. However, when I did see that, it made me wonder, I wonder if those folks who put that word up there, I wonder if they knew the depth of the peace of Jesus, or I wonder if they put it up there more out of this sense of longing and hoping for peace. There is no doubt in 2020 the reality that our weary world has a deep longing peace. In our country, at least, praise God and thank God we are not in a major international conflict, and we give thanks to God for that. But the global pandemic has had a devastating impact on families and communities. Family members and friends have been lost. The economy has struggled, and many have lost jobs. You can even argue that our nation's collective psyche is unsettled and anxious. And I've not even mentioned the fact that we've been through an election season and we have had the unrest because of systemic racism. So we know a weary world in 2020 stands in need, is indeed longing for peace. Let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 23 through 27. And let's hear this text again. And let's just hear this peace that God, that Jesus promises and that the angels proclaimed that first Christmas. The peace 
of Jesus. Now, before I read the text, let me offer just a, just a little bit of context. John 14 is what is described or is in the section of the Gospel of John that is described as the farewell discourse. Jesus is heading to the cross to die for the sins of the world, and he's preparing the disciples for his departure. Okay, so this is not Tinseltown, this is not Elf, this is not Burl Ives singing a Have a Holly Jolly Christmas. As the chapter opens, you can almost feel the anxiety of the disciples. And it starts by Jesus telling them, do not let your hearts be troubled. My translation here, Brian, I did a lot of in-depth Greek study, and my translation here is the disciples were freaking out. Would you agree? Yeah, they were. So Jesus encourages them by promising them that he is going to prepare a place for him, for them. You may uh, be familiar with that part of the text. And then he tells them that they will receive an advocate to help them through the journey, the Holy Spirit. Then he tells them that they're going to do great things in the world. And then as we see in our text, he promises them his peace. And so we see that his peace is critical to their doing great things in the world. His peace is critical to our daily journey as followers of Jesus. It is a gift that we need not only in a weary 2020, but we need throughout our Christian journey. John chapter 14, verses 23 through 27 reads like this. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. I want us to take a look at the peace of Jesus and then lean into how we can experience this in our daily lives. The gift of peace. There's a classic story that makes the rounds almost every Christmas, and that is about the Christmas Eve truce of World War I. German soldiers were in their trenches on one side of a battlefield. British soldiers were in theirs, and the fighting had been fierce. Yet on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, soldiers began to sing Christmas carols. Now, according to one report, German soldiers emerged out of their trenches and went into no man's land. And at first, the British soldiers thought it was a trick. But they noticed that the soldiers didn't have any weapons. And then they started singing Christmas carols. And so the British soldiers came out and they greeted them and they exchanged gifts, chocolate bars and, and cigarettes. Some even took that moment of that temporary truce to retrieve bodies that have been lost. As beautiful as that story is, and it's a beautiful story, we know that that truce didn't last long. And eventually the soldiers went 
back to their positions and the fighting continued. In some ways, that story is emblematic of an incomplete definition of peace. One definition of peace is simply the absence of conflict, like the truce. We know that we can have a good day. We know that we can experience the absence of conflict or the absence of anxiety and yet run into some sort of anxiety or some sort of struggle even a day later. It's interesting, Jesus never promised his disciples an absence of conflict, did he? As a matter of fact, he told them that they are to expect trouble in this world. And when he said he does not give peace like the world gives, he contrasted the idea of a temporary truce. He contrasted the idea of a temporary truce, and maybe he contrasted the idea of a temporary moment of, of happiness, like receiving a, a chocolate bar or, or, or a gift or something like that. He contrasted those temporary experiences with his eternal, lasting peace. This then begs the question, what is the nature of his peace? It is captured, and we've talked about this before, it is cap best captured in the word shalom, which means a, a wholeness or completeness. It is comprehensive. It is all-encompassing. It is a state of being and a state of, 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 of the reality around you that leads to human flourishing. The business marketing world loves vision statements. Consultants will come in and ask right away, what is your vision? Well, if somebody asks God Almighty, God, what is your vision for humankind? God would say, peace. The shalom, the wholeness, the flourishing of humankind. This is why the angels promised it. This is why Jesus gave it. And this is why the Holy Spirit works the peace of Jesus into our lives. One of the very best definitions and explanations I've encountered on this sense of human flourishing is from author J.R. Woodward. He says, my paraphrase, the good news of the gospel is that the comprehensive divisions, separations that happened in the fall when sin entered the world have been reconciled. They've been made at peace through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And Woodward goes on to explain the fullness of this kind of flourishing, the fullness of this kind of shalom, peace. We are reconciled to God, and we call this theology. We are reconciled to one another, and this is our sociology. We are recognized to, we're reconciled with ourselves, and this is psychology, and we're reconciled to the created order, which is ecology. All of those relationships were disrupted in the fall, but in Christ, they're reconciled. They are put back together. We're at one with God. We're at one with others. We're at one with ourselves. We're at one with the created order. This is God's vision for our lives. What a Christmas gift. This is God's vision for you. And it's the peace 
that Jesus gives us. And it is a peace that the world cannot take away from you. This is a peace that Jesus promises you in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of your deepest struggle. This is the peace of Jesus when everything else might be falling apart. And what's interesting is you can't buy it. You can't trade for it. You can't try to earn it. The world cannot give it to you. Only Jesus can give it to you. And praise be to God, the world also cannot take it away from you. It is a peace that passes all human understanding. Have you ever heard of the Christmas blues? I guess Elvis made the term famous, I don't know, and I'm not going to break into I'll have a, a blue Christmas. But some people experience the sights and sounds of Christmas, and it actually makes them sad. Maybe it's the first year without a loved one, or in 2020, maybe it's the separation we are experiencing because of COVID. Or some people experience the blues when all the trimmings and the lights are put away, when all the gifts are unwrapped and the tree is taken down. Christmas tinsel and sparkle can only last so long. We know deep down that we can't decorate, bake, or spend our way into Christmas peace, can we? 2020 may be a year in which the Christmas blues feel even bluer. I came across this Charlie Brown picture and, and quote this past week. It reads, nobody sent me a Christmas card today. I know nobody likes me. Why do we have to have a holiday season to emphasize it? Poor old Charlie Brown. Hear the good news today. Hear the gospel of peace. It does not come down with a tree. It does not get thrown out with a wrapping paper. It does not get stale like all the Christmas goodies. If we lean into it, and if we take Jesus into the very center of our being, this peace that the Lord gives will last for all eternity. Peace. Shalom. His perfect peace. So how do we lean into it? In the first part of our text, it's really interesting. Jesus makes the connection between obedience and love and then this obedience and peace. He says anybody who loves him will obey him. The obedience of the Lord is not out of some sense of religious ritual that is disconnected from the heart. That's not the obedience the Lord is after. No, he's after the kind of obedience that is driven by devotion, that is driven by love. Now, what does it mean to love God? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We hear echoes of this in the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Love me first, God says. So in this love that leads to obedience, there's this sense of, there's this element of respect and reverence. The sense that God is worthy of our adoration and our devotion, our deepest love and respect. And obeying God means expressing this love 
through trusting faith that we trust God to lead us into the pathway of peace. We trust God to lead us well. We trust God to give us direction in our lives. This means when the rubber hits the road, we believe the way of the Lord for our lives every single day is the way that will lead you into peace, into His peace, not as the world gives, but His. And so back to His vision for us. His vision is that we flourish and experience shalom. And so to get there, we lean in. And we follow Him. And we follow His way. And we follow His guidance for our lives with joyful, glad obedience. Let me give you an analogy about how the teachings of Jesus bring us peace. I've been thinking a lot about driving lately. Maybe it's because I'm not doing much driving. But let's imagine that, that Jody and I uh, took a, a, a ride in Old Town. And, you know, there are certain laws about driving that, that lead to a nice ride around town. So let's say Jody and I went for a drive in Old Town, and, and at every single stop sign, which is every single block almost, I went the speed limit and everything, but as soon as I got to the stop sign, I just slammed on the brakes. And I waited to make sure it was okay to go. Then I would go another block, and then I'd slam on the brakes again. Now, there's not a law against stopping suddenly like that, but it's not a rule of good driving. It is not going to lead to a little fun little trip around Old Town. It's not going to be a peaceful experience for Jody, and my guess it won't be a peaceful experience for me. Or let's say I take a drive in Old Town, and I just roll through a stop sign, and I keep rolling through stop signs, and sooner or later, one of Alexandria's finest puts on the, the pretty blue lights on her police car and then writes me a nice little summons. Now I have broken the law, and that does not lead to peace either. My little driving experience is a violation of two types of rules. One rule, the no slamming on brakes, deals with the quality of the experience. The other actually violates the rules of the city. The teachings of Jesus lead us to follow both. Let me say that again. The teachings of Jesus lead us to follow both. Jesus teaches us to pray and to serve and to be generous, to be kind and loving. These rules of life lead to our flourishing and it leads to life in abundance. He also teaches us to follow the laws of God and to put God first, to not be judgmental, to not be greedy, and to not be hypocritical. These rules or teachings lead us to walk in the way of righteousness. The teachings of Jesus bring us to the wonderful intersection of abundance and righteousness. And that leads us to experience His peace. As a matter of fact, you could argue you can't have abundance without righteousness and you can't have righteousness without abundance. They come together. But His teachings lead us to experience both. He leads us into the pathway of peace. If we follow Him, trust Him, and obey Him, He will not lead us in the wrong direction. Jesus will not lead you into a path of incompleteness or 
fragmentation, anxiety, or conflict. And here's the kicker. He doesn't just teach us and guide us into the way of peace, but we are filled. He promises us that we're filled with an advocate. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit literally teaches and reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. The Holy Spirit in your life will daily remind you of the teachings of Jesus that lead you into peace. So you don't have to sit here and think, you know, I wonder seven years and two months and three weeks and two days from now if I'll remember what Jesus said about abundance and flourishing. No, the Holy Spirit will make sure to remind you of the way of peace. What a gift! What a gift! The Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't even have to worry about remembering. The Holy Spirit will bring it to our minds and to our hearts to lead us in the way of peace. I once read an article about the pressure that is found at the, at the great depths of the ocean. It is so great that it would crush a full-sized submarine like a can of Coke. And in order to explore the ocean floor, scientists have built bathyspheres. And they're like miniature submarines, but they're constructed out of steel plates several inches thick that will keep them from being crushed under the pressure of the depths of the ocean floor. It's almost like they've got this just thick steel skin that keeps them from being crushed. Well, once scientists get down to the bottom of the ocean, they've discovered certain types of fish. And these certain types of fish have very thick skin and scales. So why do those fish at the bottom of the ocean floor, why don't they implode why don't they just cave under all the pressure because god created them they've created them to have a pressure or a force inside of them that is equal or greater to the pressure outside of them let me say it again god created them to have a force within them that was equal or greater to the pressure outside of them. That is the Spirit of God at work in your life. A force greater within you than anything outside of you. It is the peace that the world cannot take away. It is the peace that St. Paul said transcends all human understanding. In other words, it just blows the mind. It is the peace about which the angels sang. And it is the peace that Jesus promised. It is ours if we take Him to be ours. Our Lord, our King, our Savior, our Teacher, our Jesus. His law is love. And His Gospel is is peace. My friends, this year in 2020, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace of Jesus is for you. Amen and amen.